feels like. So I'll have to lean over this way. It's great to see some new faces here tonight. I want to welcome you to, we call this our Equip class. It's part of our Grow. If you've ever seen, actually the front of our bulletin says Connect, Grow, Serve. That's what we want to see people doing. And so the Grow piece is what we do here on Wednesday night. And that's where we get to dive in a little bit deeper. And, you know, Sunday morning's a little bit more of a 10,000-foot flyover. And, uh, and you're hitting a very broad spectrum of folks, but then on Wednesday nights, you can kind of take your time and dig in a little bit. So I want to welcome you. We're starting a new series. I say series. It's just a new equipped series. One of the things, um, in fact, if somebody... Wait, I actually have one right here. Never mind. So um, bookmarks. I'm going to want everyone here to get one. You don't have to get it right now, but out here at the Connection Center... We have a stack of them. If you don't have one, I want you to get one. Grab a couple of them. Uh, Bill Lovelace will make more. I mean, I've, we've already given out over 2,000 of these and uh, just got another 500 from Bill. What we're trying to do, and I, I want you to hear my heart in this, is that we're trying to get you tools. It's one thing to have a conversation, but it's a lot better when I walk away from a meeting or a conversation with something in my hand that actually allows me to apply it or allows me to engage that and so we're trying to get a lot of things your way and one of the things that's just so simple but so helpful um i don't have the greatest memory on the planet i'm just saying but when i have something that i can keep with me something in my bible um i'm weird i still use a daytimer kind of thing i've got electronic too but but i like it because i can put things in it it's kind of and so i keep this with me and what it is on one side, it says the truth about living the Christian life, and it's about identity in Christ, who we are and whose we are. And then on the other side is, is really just something that I actually saw. Um, did anyone ever read The Bondage Breaker by Dr. Neil Anderson? I don't know if you remember that book, but in it, they had a whole section, and then they did it as an addendum in the back. You can go to his website and get this an in Christ I am section. Do you remember that when you read the book? It was all about identity. And this is what God says. This is what God's word says. And our goal here as followers of Jesus is to align ourselves with the will of God. Well, what do we know to be the will of God? That's the word of God. Amen? So when we align ourselves with his will, we're aligning ourselves with his word. So that simply means or implies we need to get into the word and we need to get the word into us. And I'm telling you, you're on solid ground when you're doing that. And what will happen is things will become more clear. And it's literally as though things go from being analog and fuzzy to high definition. 4K. You know, I have a 4K TV. It's almost too good, isn't it? Have you ever watched one of the newer TVs? You go, I can actually see the pores in their skin. It's so defined. I'm sure a lot of those actors and actresses are not too keen on that. But, uh, but it's just this, the definition is so good. The resolution is so good. The more we get to know the scripture, the more we understand his will and his ways, and things become more clear. And so we're going to dive in. So if you can get that bookmark, we have them out there. And we're just going to cover, in fact, Jeffrey's going to do some teaching as well. Pastor Jeffrey is going to do some teaching as well. And uh, we're going to go through and we're going to take pieces of this bookmark tonight if you'll look up on the screen, it says, in Christ I am blank. And we're going to fill in some blanks. And then we're going to open that up and we're going to impact some of these. Because here's the thing, you need to know who you are and you need to know whose you are. And uh, the power of knowing who you are is when you know who you are, you'll know what to do. 
It's interesting how many people want to know, what is God's will? What is God's will for my life? What does God want me to do? When you know who you are, that is one of those things that resolves itself. When you know who you are, you'll know what to do. And when I say identity, I'm talking about our identity in Christ, not in culture. Okay? Our identity in Jesus. All right? Who does Christ say? Who are we in Christ? There's so many in Christ statements throughout the scripture, and we're going to take some of those, and we'll look tonight. So let's pray as we get started. Again, great to see you. Each week, we'll cover a different topic, and in Christ, I am a different topic. So every week is a standalone. So if you miss a week or two, don't feel like, oh, no, it's too late. I'm out of the loop. This is not an ongoing curriculum. We're taking these week by week as standalones so that anybody can jump in on any given week. Does that make sense? And I would encourage you to invite somebody. Do you know somebody that would benefit from understanding who they are in Christ? Can we count? <laughs> can we start counting? And so I want to encourage you to do something. I'm going to show you something that we did when I was in Abilene. This is a, yet another bookmark. They're handy. This is called a VIP card. And when I was in Abilene, I, I, I actually designed this, and we had a bunch printed up. I'm about to do that here as well. On one side, and the VIP stands for very important people. On one side, you put those who are lost or don't know Christ. And you, there's five blanks, and you fill that in. Then on the other side, people who need spiritual family. They just need to connect. They're followers of Jesus, but they need to be they need to be connected. Connection is protection. And so with the front and back of this, this gives you somebody a target to pray for on an ongoing basis. And then on Sundays when we come back together, I'll say, hey, everybody pull out your VIP card. And hopefully you got it in your Bible, you got it in your whatever. And we'll just pray over those. We'll just breathe a prayer together corporately. But through the week, the idea is to keep praying for the 10 people that you have on your card. If you're thinking, I've got more than 10, then you can get two cards. I mean, you will, we'll make more, that kind of thing. So we're actually going to have these printed up. I'm designing them right now to fit us. But this is something that we did that became very meaningful for us. And what was beautiful were the testimonies that came out of this. People would come up, Pastor Jimmy, oh my gosh, number three on this side of my card, I've got movement. Something happened. I had a conversation. Or they asked me a question. And we just celebrate those things. And what it does, it keeps our eyes focused on what's primary and what's important. Amen? And that is not just me and not just we, but them. Does that make sense? From me to we to them. And that is Christ's call on our life. And so we don't want to just focus on me. We don't want to just focus on we. We want to focus on them. Amen? So these people that God brings into your sphere, your relational orbit... These are people that God has given you the pleasure and the privilege and the responsibility to steward their lives. And so this is going to be a tool to help you. Again, we're just trying to get tools into your hand, but we're going to focus now on the bookmark. And so tonight we're going to talk about this topic, In Christ I Am Worthy. So let's pray together. Father, in Jesus' name, I'm so grateful that you see us as worthy. You actually make us worthy. And Lord, it's so rampant in our culture for people to not feel worthy. They feel unworthy to pray, unworthy to praise, unworthy to share their faith with others. And so, Lord, thank you. Thank you for the truth of your word. And we stand on the truth that makes us free. 
Father, I'm asking as a son to a good father, would you open our eyes that we may see? Would you open our ears that we may hear? Would you open our hearts that we may know the truth that makes us free? And we'll declare together, as John chapter 8 says, who the son sets free is free indeed. And so we lean in and we trust you in this. So, Father, we posture ourselves tonight as learners, as students, as disciples. Much as the disciples would posture themselves around Jesus, we tonight posture ourselves around Jesus. Not around Jimmy Pruitt, but around Jesus. And I thank you for the Holy Spirit, who is the spirit of truth, who the Bible says leads us and guides us into all truth. And so we lean into that. And I would ask you, Lord... Heal back the layers for us. Give us revelation. Give us understanding. Give us comprehension. Open up new things for us tonight. Open up fresh things for us tonight. And Father, we, we tune our hearts into you, our minds into you, our spirits into you, our physical bodies. We tune them into you and we're listening. In Jesus' name, everyone said amen. Are we in agreement? All right, so as we get started tonight, we're going to, again, kicking off this. Notice the title there, or the, the subtitle there, Aligning with Who God Says You Are. You cannot go wrong when you stand on God's Word and who He says you are. And it's interesting because if you're to go up to somebody and just with no context whatsoever and say, did you know that I'm holy? Did you know that I'm a king's kid? Did you know that I'm royalty? That would sound absurd, wouldn't it? But when you know the context, you know 3D, not just one-dimensional, but three-dimensional, you understand there's a context that goes with that. The context is you are who he says you are. And if the scripture tells us we're this, then we can align ourselves with it. And again, this is not arrogance. It is agreement and alignment. Does that make sense? So this isn't arrogance. This isn't pride. He makes us these things. That's what's so amazing. It's really about him, not even about us. But because he makes us this, then we can stand and declare that we're this. Not at Andy's, on a table. Not, not at the school cafeteria. Not at where you're working. It's, it's something that you do between you and him where you declare who you are. And let me tell you who knows and who's listening. There's a very real enemy. A thief who comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And I tell you, I take, I, I take pleasure in announcing to him often who God says I am. I don't announce how I behave or how good I am or how, how perfect my life is. Remember our sign up here? For those of you who are new, we have a sign on the wall. It is invisible, but we all know what it says. It says, no, say it with me, no perfect people allowed. It says it right there on that wall. And uh, we know it's there because we know who we are. We're not perfect in the sense of behavior, in the sense of how we do things. But we're being perfected in Christ. And that's the big key to all of this. So aligning ourselves with who God says you are. That's what we're doing. Alignment. So understanding your identity in Christ is one of, if not the most important keys to your ongoing growth and maturity as a follower of Jesus. There's a lot of folks, believers, followers of Jesus that I've walked with through the 37 plus years of doing this that live as though they are carrying a backpack full of lead. I mean, they're just 
burdened down with life, with pain, with trauma, with unresolved brokenness. And that is exactly where the enemy wants a person to stay. But here's the beauty. You may be a brand new follower of Jesus, or you may have walked with Christ for years. Here's the beauty. No matter where it is, every day, the scripture says, his mercies are new. When? Every morning. Every morning, his mercies are new. Every day is a do-over. Every morning when you get up, you hit the lottery if you've got a pulse. Amen? I don't care how bad your situation, just check. Oh, praise God, I get another go at this. When my mom passed away at 45 years of age, and when I hit 45 myself, my mentality has been, I hit the lottery every day I get up. Because genetically, my mom passed away because of heart disease and all that at 45 years of age. So at 45 plus, every day's bonus time for me. I hit the lottery every day when I wake up. And I say, praise God, what are we going to do today? What can we do? What are we going to do together? Let's have some fun with this. And so as we're walking with Christ, we're leaning into, we've got to know who we are. This is critical. Critical. And again, it's alignment. It is, to me, one of the most important things. It was such a game changer for me back in the mid-90s. We're living in Southern California. And I read that book by um, Neil Anderson, The Bondage Breaker. I thought I was reading it for one reason, but it was actually a subcategory in that book that jumped off the pages to me, and it was like, wait a minute, because here's the, here's the thing, I don't know about you, even as a young believer, I, was, I was, gave my life to Christ at 18, and even as a young believer, if, if the scripture said it, I just decided to lean into it, I just thought, well, if the Bible says this, then I'm going to believe it, and if it says this about me, then I'm going to believe that too. Even if circumstances don't align with what it's saying. Have you ever felt like, uh, okay, the Bible says I'm a royalty, that I'm a king's kid, that I'm a son of the Most High God or a daughter, and yet my life is not quite lining up with that? Well, it's interesting because the Bible says that we walk by faith and not by, and that the just shall live by their, somebody help me. Don't be so excited about that. Here's the thing, there is a season of life and there are seasons in life and periods of time where you will be walking by faith, believing something, saying something, but you'll not see it realized in the natural. Isn't it a bummer that we have to do this thing by faith sometimes? Wouldn't it be awesome if every, every day was Friday and everything just worked out every time, always? I don't know if you ever noticed this, but when I was a brand new follower of Jesus, it seemed like every prayer I prayed for six months got answered. Did that happen to you? It's like things were going great, amazing. And then it was like the faucet shut off from heaven. I'm like, God has abandoned me. I'm a brand new baby Christian. Older, wiser brother in Christ kind of took me under his wing, Steve Gardner, and discipled me. He goes, oh, let me tell you what God's doing. He said, he's teaching you. Get ready. You just hit boot camp. <laughs> he said, when, when you enlisted, everything was like given to you up front, but then it was time to go to camp. He said, you just entered boot camp. And that became that process of growth and having to believe and having to actually learn what faith is. And then not just knowing what it is, but how do you activate faith? And this became part of the process. 
All of that was great. I went on to go to Bible college four years. I went on to seminary, got my master's degree. And then, and then in the mid-90s, I heard about identity. No one had ever taught me that. I'd not seen that. Although, I did it intuitively and naturally as I read the scripture, but no one had ever unpacked it. No one had ever highlighted it. No one had ever said anything about it. So when I read Neil Anderson's book, it was like a bomb going off inside of me. It was thunder in my soul. It was like, yes! My spirit cried out, yes! That is true. Have you ever heard something and it resonated for you? And inside you're going, yes! And amen! That's true, and I know it's true for me. And it may have been something new or fresh, but somehow it, has, it resonates because it has a ring of truth. Identity was that for me. It's one of the most important keys to your ongoing growth and maturity. And here's what I wanted to say with that. Do you think that it's God's will for you to thrive in life and not just survive? Two people, amen, a couple of people nodded their heads, and the rest of you are going, man, mine's just not lining up with that right now. Jesus said, the thief comes only except to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But he didn't stop the sentence there. He goes on to say, in the second half of that verse, in John chapter 10, verse 10, is, but I have, I have come that they may have life. That word but, you know what but does? But negates anything that came before it. You ever had anybody walk up to you and say, I love you, but. You're amazing, but. It, whatever they said is out the window, right? Whatever good thing you just heard is gone. Jesus said the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come that they, us, we, them, they may have life. And life to the full, life more abundant. The word life there is the Greek word zoe. Zoe. And it means the God kind and the God quality of life. To me, that's not being a beggar in the outer courts. That's being a son in the most holy place with God. That's having access to the king. That's little John, little John Kennedy, having total access to his dad, JFK. Did you ever hear that beautiful story? John, JFK, no matter what, he would be meeting with the most powerful people in the world. And if his son wanted a moment with him, all the guards, everyone in the White House, everyone in the Capitol building knew that if little Johnny was running through those buildings, no one stopped him. No one held him up. No one said, your dad's in an important meeting. He's meeting with the president of whatever. He, they, he had carte blanche. He had a green light into any room, any meeting. In the White House, and little Johnny would run into the middle of a meeting, and Daddy J JFK would say, Excuse me, gentlemen, my son's here. And that little boy would run and bound up into his lap and hug his daddy and kiss him on the cheek and talk to him about, you know, some action figurine or whatever while he's trying to solve the world's problems. What that is is full access. And here's what's so beautiful as a son or a daughter of God you're a daughter of the Most High God. You're a daughter of the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. You have full access, full access at any given moment of time. I've been practicing the God pause. That's another tool I've been trying to get everybody to, to begin to lean into. And every time I do that, 
Father, Jesus, I give everyone and everything to you. Did you know I'm instantly in his presence? I'm instantly reminded in the front. He comes from the back burner to the front when I say, Father, Jesus, I give everyone and everything to you. I give everyone and everything to you. Father, Jesus, Holy Spirit, revitalize my union with you. Revitalize my intimacy with you, my fellowship with you. As I say those words, even as I'm saying it right here, I'm sensing it, I'm feeling it. Something's rising up on the inside of me. That's called access. And as sons and daughters, we have full access. But here's the deal. We have to take advantage of it, right? If you have a key to a building, you still got to put the key in and turn it to get in. Amen? So let's learn a key here. This is one of the keys to your growth and your maturity as a follower of Jesus because God has called you to thrive and not just survive. You You are not destined to live in survival mode the rest of your life. That should be good news to somebody. And I can say that with confidence because I've been in survival mode. We've lived through seasons of survival mode. But I always trusted God. I always believed it's not good now, but it's going to be. Because God always has the last word. And all of his promises in Jesus are yes and amen. Which means it doesn't matter what this looks like now. And I default to what we're talking about on Sundays. Hallelujah anyway. Because God is good. Amen? And how often is he good? All the time. And all the time. Hey, you're getting better at that. So listen to this. The most important key is our identity in Christ. I'm telling you, everything hinges on this. Because if you don't know who you are, you won't know what to do. If you don't know who you are and whose you are, you'll continue to live in constant insecurity, fear, a sense of not being sure or certain or confident. And the scripture says that we can come with confidence and boldness before the throne. By the way, the throne that God sits on, it's a throne of grace. And we can come before God with boldness and confidence. Not insecurity, not fear, not shame, not guilt, not condemnation. Amen? So we come in boldly like little Johnny. We come in and we jump up in daddy's lap. And I love what Miss Charlene, she calls, she calls my dad. Papa, Papa. I was just talking to Papa this morning. We had a little chat about this today. This idea that we can bound up into his presence. And you know what? You don't have to come in fear and trembling. You don't have to come in like the cowardly lion before the great Oz. You come in as a son. You come in as a daughter. And you have full access. Amen? That's what knowing your identity does. That's your all-access pass. That's your backstage pass to the concert. It is your all-access pass. When you know who you are, you'll know what to do. In Christ, I am worthy. Listen, that's not bragging. That's not arrogance. That's simply agreement and alignment. Does that make sense? Don't go announce this to your friends. This is between you and the Lord when the devil starts to tell you you're not worthy. When the devil tells you you're not enough, you'll never make it, you won't measure up, you're going to fail again. You can announce to him, oh, let me tell you what God's word says about me. And by the way, I'm going to believe the report of the Lord, not yours, enemy. I'm going to believe the report of the Lord. And so here it is. In Christ, I'm worthy. And listen to Psalm 139. I love this psalm. I praise you 
because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. There's more to that, and we're going to look at that. So here's the definition of worthy. This is right out of the dictionary. Having worth or value. That word right there, value, is critical. Do you know that God values you? It doesn't matter if the culture values you. It doesn't matter if your boss or supervisor values you. It doesn't matter if anybody values you. What matters is that God does. Having worth or value. Having sufficient worth or importance. Did you know you matter? Do you know that? You matter. You're significant. You're significant because God created you and allowed you to be birthed onto this planet. You're inherently, you have value intrinsically. Inherently, you have value. Or you wouldn't be here. Now, have that, does that mean that we've all capitalized on that value? Does that mean that we all believe it, that we've leaned into it? But here's the thing. Truth is not contingent on what you believe. Truth is truth. Did you hear that? Truth is not contingent on what we believe. Truth is truth. It's eternal. It's the long game. It's not like a fact. A fact is temporary and subject to change. But truth, it is eternal. It'll never, it'll never not be true. And here's the truth. You are worthy because of Christ. You are worthy because of who you are. You are a son. You are a daughter of the King of Kings, of the Most High God. Love synonyms. I'm a synonym guy. I love words. Listen to this. Here's some synonyms, and you need to think of in, your, in this term, I am this. And we're going to prove it from the scripture. But I want you to see it just right up front before we dive in. Here's who you are deserving. Now, some of you are going, wait a minute, I'm not one of those entitled people. But it doesn't matter because you're in Christ. Think in these terms. In Christ, I am, not just I am. It's in Christ you are but not on your own. It is only because you are in Christ. Does that make sense? I'm going to keep that focus. So here it is. Deserving. Good. Wait a minute. I'm not good. I've, I've sung Amazing Grace. I'm a wretch, according to the song. Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound. Saved a wretch. Well, you were a wretch before you were saved. But did you know that when you got born again, God did a heart transplant on you? You do not have a wicked heart. You have a new heart. You've been, you've been crucified in Christ, and now you've been raised up to walk in newness of life. New. All things new. Your heart is not wicked. Your heart is not desperately wicked. It's not evil. Your heart is new because it's a new heart. You have been born again. You're not even the same person you were before. If you are in Christ, you've been born again. That means you're new. It's not the old stuff, it's the new stuff. Sometimes, though, the residue of the old sticks with us, and we still think we're the old person when we're not. And as long as the enemy, the devil, can keep you thinking that way, keep you, he will keep you bound up in lies instead of free in truth. Does this make sense? What does the Bible say about truth? It will make you what? It will set you free. So we have to displace the lies with the truth. That's why we're learning God's word. It's why we're doing this series. Listen to this. You're deserving. You're good. You're honorable. You can say these things, but it'll feel awkward because we're so trained 
to not be proud and to not be puffed up, that we won't even allow ourselves to align with what God says about us. The enemy goes, ah, gotcha. See, if I can get you to not even think about it, don't even say it, because that will come off as prideful. Remember, this is an arrogance. It's agreement with the word of God. Listen to this. Deserving, good, honorable, praiseworthy, valuable, worthwhile, commendable, precious, exemplary. This is what the word worthy means. So let's look at the scripture. We're going to jump in. I got several little points here and we'll just run through them. Number one, God values you enough to send Jesus to die in your place in order to reconcile you back to himself. There was a breach. There was a separation that happened. Adam and Eve, thank you very much, crashed and burned, right? And when they did, it tainted the whole thing. Sin entered in. And that sin caused a, a gap, a chasm between us and God. And now there's got to be a plan to redeem us back, to reconcile us, to reconnect us. That's what the word means, to reconnect to him. So there's got to be a plan in place and thank God for his son Jesus, that he released Jesus into the world and he became our plan. Here's the thing. I've quoted this before. Rice Brooks is the one who came up with this simple statement of the gospel. The gospel is the good news that God became man in Jesus Christ. He lived the life we should have lived, and he died the death we should have died in our place. Three days later, he rose from the dead, proving he is the Son of God. And anyone who will place their trust in him and accept him as their Savior and their Lord will have eternal life and will never perish. What is that? It's just the gospel stated. That is what happened for you and me. So listen to this. God values us enough to send his son to die. He gave his son as the ultimate sacrifice. So here's the thing. It's easy to reason and go, go all rational and go, oh, well, but he knew he was going to be raised from the dead. Would you put your child through torture, through brutality, through violence, even if you knew they were going to be okay later? Would you subject your own child? Well, they're going to be okay. They'll be fine. At the end, the end, it's all going to... Would you subject your own child to violence, to torture, to beatings, to betrayal, to scorn, to a, a flogging, a whipping, and then a crucifixion? He'll be okay. You really think... Uh, don't minimize what God did for us. Don't dare minimize. And look what he says. Listen to this. This is Romans chapter 5, verses 1 and 2. Therefore, since we have been justified through, there's that word again, faith, we have peace. It's irene in the Greek. It's shalom in the Hebrew. And it means peace. Nothing missing. Nothing broken. Whole. Complete. Integrated. Don't you want that in your life? Don't you want to be whole? Don't you want to be integrated? Don't you want to have things come together as they're supposed to? Have you ever fixed something and it worked and it felt really good? Have you ever put together something and all the screws fit in the right place and didn't have five left over at the end of it? Am I the only one that that happens to? Like, wait, there's extra, wait, do these go somewhere? Everything you buy now from Amazon comes in a box, right? You buy a bed, it's like this big, you know, and, and then all of a sudden you got to put things together and there's 
easy assembly, only a couple of tools required, only 10,000 steps and 700 different screws with coding and colors. And, but doesn't it feel good when those things come together? You ever tried putting something together and it didn't go together well? Was it, it wasn't well crafted, it wasn't made well, and things didn't quite fit and you had to force things together? You never really enjoy that. But when you get something and it's quality and you put it together and everything fits and it's solid, it's well bit, there's order to that. Let me tell you something, God loves you so much, there's order to what he's doing. Peace is that sense of things are fitting, things are working. This is what it was designed to do. Nothing missing, nothing broken. Wholeness, complete. That's shalom. He says this, we have peace with God, shalom, irene with God, through, here it is, our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom, there it is again, we have gained, here it is, access. Remember what I said a minute ago? You have access. We have access to God. Father, I give everyone and everything. Boom, I'm there. Just like that. Access, nonstop. He says, whom we've gained access by faith into this grace into this grace, into this empowerment, into this open door in which we now stand. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Sounds a little bit like Colossians 1.27. Hope, the, word, the Bible word hope means joyful and confident expectation of a desired good. That's the literal translation. That's the word. Confident and joyful expectation. Hope is not wishful thinking, it's expectation. And it's confident and it's joyful. Because it's trust-oriented. You trust that God has our best in mind. So you can trust. So that's what that is. The hope, the confident and joyful expectation of the glory of God. Well, that's great. Glory sounds pretty ambiguous to me. Is it a cloud? Is it a mist? What is glory? Is it, is it a sun, you know, sun bursting through the clouds in the morning? What is glory? Glory can be a radiant. It can be that. It can be majestic in name. But it's also the tangible, very real presence of God. It is his presence. It's his manifested presence. So when the glory of God, the kabod in the Hebrew, shows up, it's the weighty glory of God. You actually feel the weight. Have you ever been in that scenario where you were in a room where somehow, some way, the worship just hit on all eight cylinders and you felt like you just synced up with the cloud, man? I mean, it's like, what just happened? We're in tandem with heaven. I feel like whatever they're doing up there and whatever we're doing down here is working and it's happening the same and we just hit, we just synced up. And it sometimes seems like it's fleeting and it's here and there, but when it happens, you know it and you feel the kabod, the weight, the glory of God. It's like, wow. Don't you want to just live there? You know, young Joshua wanted to live there. The Bible says that when Moses would go out to the tent of meeting outside the camp and he would get his instructions from God, do you know what the Bible says? Moses would go back to the camp. Do you know what Joshua did? He was like Larry Bird. He's sitting there shooting free throws forever while the team went in. Joshua would hang back like Larry Bird, and he would hang out in God's presence. He says he would stay in the tent of meeting while Moses went back. And Moses went back, and he walked in the, in the community, and everybody stood to their feet. And, and jo little Joshua was back there hanging out in the presence of God in the tent of meeting. Guess who inherited the whole thing when Moses 
blew it by hitting a rock. Remember that? Whacking a rock with a stick, he got mad. He lost his temper again. And guess who inherited the whole thing? The one that hung out in the presence of God. The one who stayed in the tent of meeting. The one who didn't go back to the, to the village to eat. He stayed back. Because he was relishing the glory of God. The presence of God. The kabod. The weighty glory of God. His presence. Does that make sense? I hope that makes that make a little more meaning to you. Here's another one. You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, just the right time. You do know God is a God of timing, sequence, and order, right? The right thing at the wrong time is still the wrong thing. How many of you have learned that lesson the hard way? <laughs> I know what to say. I said it, but it wasn't well received. The wrong time. Husbands, we all know that. We all live with hoof and mouth disease. Can I get an amen? amen? It was the right thing, but it was the wrong time. And we all learned that, that lesson the hard way. Parents, we've all learned that lesson the hard way. At just the right time, we were still powerless. Christ died for the ungodly. Who were the ungodly? Hello. Ungodly. Us. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous man. Though for a good man, someone might possibly dare to die. But, there's that word again. Just negate that. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Not, not, he didn't die for us when we got our act together. When we decided, hey, I'm going to follow Jesus, but I'm going to clean up before I go. I better make sure I stop misbehaving. I better get my act together. And then I'll show up. That's like saying, we're going to have, when the time is right, we're going to have our child. How many know there's never a right time to have a kid? I'm just saying. There is never a right time. But we do that with God. You know, well, when, I, when this happens, then I'll go all in. Well, when, this, when I finally get this together, then I'll serve. When I get this together, then I'll give. When I get this together, then I'll show up. But when I get this all figured out, then I'm going to go all in with God. I'm going to be all that in a bag of chips for the kingdom. There's never that time. That's why we walk by faith and not by sight. He says, while we were still sinners, Christ showed up. I talked about earlier about how known so many followers of Jesus that are just laboring under the weight, laboring under the brokenness. And here it is. He meets us where we are, and he loves us so much he doesn't leave us there. He meets you in that brokenness. Don't you know that Jesus got down in the dirt with the woman caught in adultery? They came in and they threw her in there, and they're, they're accusing her. And the Bible says Jesus got down on the ground. And Drew in the dirt, we don't even know what he drew. But you know where he was? He was eye level with that girl. He was right there where he could see her. That's my king. That's my Lord. That's my Savior. The one that gets down in the dirt with us. He meets us where we are. And then he raised her up, forgave her, and then said, Okay, stop doing that. Don't do it anymore. Just go on. You've been released. You're free. In fact, you're so free, you don't have to do that anymore. That's what Jesus does. He meets us where we are. Amen? Here's another one. You may recognize this. For God so loved the world. Remember, we're talking about 
this. God values you enough to send Jesus to die in your place in order to reconcile you back to himself. For God so loved the world. Look at your neighbor and say, he is definitely talking about you. For God so loved you and you and you. And he loved me enough to do this. He gave his one and only son. That whoever, do we have any whoever's in the room tonight? Oh, I thank the Lord for the whoever's. Amen? I remember as a brand new Christian being told by somebody who was supposedly a Christian that only a certain amount of people were even going to go to heaven. And I'm like, I'm sorry, I beg to differ with that. And he showed me in the book of Revelation, it's like 153,000. I'm like, really? That what, that's what that means? Are you joking me? So when I got challenged about that, because I thought, man, it's been a lot more than 153,000 since this all happened. I, I'm at the end of the line here. I went home, and as a brand new young Christian, I tore my Bible apart. Him challenging me was one of the best things that ever happened. Because I was, man, I was determined to go back and sit in the cab of that pickup and straighten him out. <laughs> I was like, no, no, no. Let me tell you. So I, I took, I had a Ryrie Study Bible. Remember that New American Standard? Man, I was, just, I was so proud of that thing. And I tore that Bible apart. I took little sticky notes, and I made, I mean, I had, when I walked back in, there were notes sticking out of like 15 chapters of the Bible. And I said, well, let me tell you what the Word says. I started with this one right here. Whoever, whosoever, whoever. I mean, it's so rampant through the Gospels. And, uh, you know, it's funny how when you have a dogma, that even when you hear the truth, read the truth, see the truth, still you refuse to believe. I mean, I love that guy. But in his mind, and he didn't know if he was one of them or not. I said, then what are you living for? What's the point? You either are or you aren't, right? I mean, it was a fascinating conversation for this new young Christian. But it, what it did, it got me into the scripture and I came alive. Boy, I found a love for the Bible. I was like, oh, this thing's amazing. I'm a whosoever. Whoever, whosoever believes shall not perish but have eternal life. And aren't you grateful that, that that scripture doesn't just stop there? Look at the next verse. We always stop short here, but look at the next verse. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. If he didn't, why do we? Why do we take it upon ourselves to just walk around pointing out everybody's stuff? Oh, did you see the Grammys? Did you hear what Brad Pitt said? I'm, I've heard so much goofy. I'm like, how do you even have time to watch that stuff? Are you kidding me? What does it matter? Remember what Paul said? We read it on Sunday, Philippians 1. He said, whether the gospel's pre He goes, what does it matter? What does it even matter? We get so worked up over it. He didn't send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. In Christ, I am. In Christ, you are worthy. Worthy. That's how much he loves you. Number two, Jesus has made us righteous. Oh, this is huge. The ability to stand upright. That's what righteous means right. Righteous means upright. Remember the little clouds that you would knock over that had sand in the bottom and you'd hit it and it'd pop back up, hit it and pop. It stood upright. It couldn't go down. You could knock it down, but it would pop right back up. Anybody have one of those when they were a kid? Yeah, they didn't last very long, did they, around my house? Two boys. We were hard on stuff like that. But I remember that. You would hit it, it'd pop right back up. 
Let me tell you, that is who we are. The enemy, the world, culture, life, you take a hit, but you come right back. Why? Because you've been enabled and empowered to stand upright. That's what righteousness is. But it's more than that, and this is where it gets really good. We can come before God's throne of grace without fear, shame, or guilt. Can I get an amen? You've been washing the blood of the Lamb. You're a son or daughter of the Most High God. You've been born again. You've been given a new heart, a new spirit, a new everything. You're a new creation, according to 2 Corinthians 5.17. If anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are made new. See, that's the beauty. Then you come before him fresh and clean, and because of what Jesus did, you can walk in like this instead of crawling on glass. Instead of crawling on your all fours, just, oh, I just hope he doesn't, like a little scared dog who rolls over as soon as you get to him. You know, they're scared to death. Listen to this. I love this. 2 Corinthians 5, 7, 521, right after 517, which I just quoted. God made him who had no sin to be sin. Talking about Jesus. He, he had no sin to be sin. That word means Become. Jesus didn't just take our sins in a moment of time that changed everything. He became sin. That's why God looked away on the cross. He turned. Remember, my God, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That, That is an epic, almost unbelievable statement. That for a moment in time, Jesus is willing to take that for you. He was willing to become that for you and me. We can never minimize what he went through on the cross, what he went through in those beatings and those tortures. But the worst part wasn't the physical pain. It was the moment God turned. This is a mind blower. And here's why. God made him who knew no sin to be sin or become sin for us so that in him, remember, in Christ I am, in him we might become the righteousness of God. That's value. He values you so much that he makes you right. But you're like, but what if I, what if I had a bad day? What if I said something I shouldn't? What if I lost my cool? What if I blew up on my kids or I said something to my spouse I shouldn't have? Or, or what, if I, what if I clicked on something online I shouldn't have? I mean, let's just get real, folks. This is real life. What if, I, what if I went off on my supervisor? What if I was harsh to an employee? What if I was unkind? What if I would not let that guy merge? Not on the I-10, buddy. I've been sitting in this line a long time. You're not just going to merge on here. I mean, we do all kinds of crazy stuff because we have a right. We're entitled. God loves you so much. He's made you right in spite of your stuff, in spite of your mistakes, in spite of your bad moods, in spite of getting up on the wrong side of the bed, and in spite of the heinous sin that we still commit, even as followers of Jesus. He comes in and he says, I'm covering all of that. Remember what he said about love? It covers a multitude of sins. What does the word multitude mean? <laughs> A bunch. I don't know what it means. It's just say a lot. Ed.
It is. If, well, yes, one thing is, if we don't make room for mystery, this thing's going to always, we're, it's going to be things that are incomprehensible. But the fact that Jesus became sin on our behalf, he had to to take on the sin for all time, the sin of the world. The sin of the world, the sacrificial lamb. In that moment, he becomes. Why? Because it puts us for it and to something. We're not just forgiven of our sins. We're actually saved to something, not from. We're not just getting forgiven. We're being recreated. He actually, in a moment of time, because of the epic nature of what was happening, it took an epic act. Once for all, the scripture says over and over. And he was the only one because he was the only one that was without sin. The only one. And so once for all, he died once for all sins. Man, the, the epistles are full of that. Paul, that was one of Paul's favorite statements. Once for all. Once for all. And so I don't even know that I can even clarify or elaborate because it is a mystery. It's one of those where you get, this is what it says. I don't hang up on that. I look at what it produces. So what it does for us, Ed, it produces the ability to stand upright because he took it all. He took my past sin. He took my present sin. And this is another area we struggle. He took my future sin. The stuff I'm going to do. The mistakes I'm going to make. The missing the mark that's going to happen between now and the day I step over the line to go all in and go home. He's even taken that ahead of time. Well, you know, you got to be pa careful, Pastor, because if you tell people that, they're just going to go out and sin. You're giving them a license to. You're going to do it anyway, folks. Wake up. I don't have to give you permission to sin. <laughs> Hello. We're going to go do this anyway. But the beauty of it is, I don't live with the mentality of, well, it's covered, so I can do whatever I want. I live with the mentality of, God, I am so grateful. I'm so grateful for your goodness. Lord, Thank you for the grace to not. Thank you for the grace to quickly repent. That's another piece of this. Because you know his goodness and you know his love and you know his act. Instead of this get out of sin free card, it's like, no, I can quickly turn. I can quickly, I don't run away from God. I run to him when I miss the mark. I mean, I always make the joke about Carol Burnett hanging on to Harvey Corman. She's trying to get out the door, but that's the picture I have is just grabbing and not letting go. I am not letting go. It's like Jacob at the River Jabbok who wrestled with the man. He said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. And he didn't. He walked with a permanent limp. Can I get an amen? So great question, Ed. Now we're able to stand upright. Now look what happens. Now Hebrews, listen to this. We don't know exactly who wrote Hebrews. It's been attributed to several writers. Some say Paul, but it's not at all like the Pauline epistles. So we don't know who actually wrote Hebrews, but we know the actual author, author on the big, in the bigger scope of this thing, Holy Spirit. Now look what it says. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has gone through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not, there's that hanging on thing, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, and Jeff, this is what we said, just as we are, yet was without sin. That's why he could become the once for all sacrificial lamb. 
Let us then, this is the beautiful, let us then approach the throne of grace. What kind of throne does God sit on? A throne of grace. Not a throne of wrath. Not a throne of condemnation. But a throne of grace. Let us approach the throne of grace with confidence. Other translations will say, use the word boldness. It's all accurate. So that we may receive mercy and find grace. Of course you're going to find grace when you go to a throne of grace. Amen? You're going to find that. Mercy and grace to help us in our time of need. This scripture that gives, the reason we can come with confidence is because we've been made righteous and we can walk in upright. Not arrogant, not proud, grateful, humbled, in love with the author of this thing. We get to come before his throne without fear. That's why when I whisper that, those simple words, Father, give everyone and everything to you, I'm instantly in his throne room. Now, I may be driving my pickup. I may be in the shower. I may be walking up and down these halls. I may be at a restaurant. I may be at Walmart. I may be at, who knows? But when I do that, I'm instantly with my king. I'm instantly with my father. Instantly. And I can do it standing upright. I don't, all, you know, I don't want anybody bowing their head and closing their eyes when they're driving their car. Amen? This form, this idea that we have this form, just eyes wide open. Man, look at the world. Let creation renew you and just thank God for it all. So don't close your eyes and bow your head when you're driving. Listen to this. A couple more and we'll, we'll end. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. How much condemnation? You know what that means in the Greek? Zero, zilch, nada. I mean, there's nothing, nothing there. None. If we're in Christ, there's that in Christ statement again. In Christ I am. What am I? Free from judgment. Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the spirit of life, the law of the spirit of life is grace. It's what God sits on. It's grace has set me free. The law of spirit of life set me free from the law of sin and death. The law of sin and death is uh, eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. You mess up, you, get, you swim out to a, a mile to an island, how far back is it? It's a mile back. So this eye for an eye, this is old covenant, this is law. This is if you do this, this happens. Covenant language. If then, if then, if then. Jesus comes along, it's not if then, if then anymore. It's in spite of, in spite of, in spite of your mistake, you get grace. You get mercy. Grace means we get what we didn't deserve. Mercy means we don't get what we do deserve. Don't ask me to repeat that. I was lucky to get it the first time. God loves us so much that he assigns value to each and every one. This is what we're talking about, being worthy, worth, value. Listen to this, Luke 12, love this in the parable. In the, in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says, Are not five sparrows sold for two pennies, yet not one of them is forgotten by God? He assigns value even to a little sparrow. Indeed, the very hairs of your head... Well, I'm looking around the room. I'm, that's all I'm going to say about that. <laughs> Indeed, the very hairs of your head are all numbered. <laughs> Some is easier than others, right? Don't be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. He's just saying you have great value. You don't even have to be afraid. 
Listen to this. The parallel in Matthew of that to Luke. Remember Matthew and Luke. Luke was a physician. He wrote a lot of detail. Matthew had a different approach. Listen to what he says. There, same, same thing, but it's saying it from a different perspective. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more important than food in the body, more important than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. He goes back to the birds. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them, provides for them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Isn't that beautiful to know and to understand? Now, this is not a permission to be dumb. This is not a permission to be unwise. He gives us, gives us wisdom. Amen? So we have that. So that's not what this is. But he's saying, look, you can trust God's ability to take care of you because you're valuable to him. You mean something to him. Amen? Number four, we're, we're close to the end. God speaks in terms of crafting and creating you like an artist would craft their work. I love this. Ephesians chapter 2, familiar. And actually, it says NIV, but this is actually the New Living Translation. I just didn't change that. The New Living Translation puts it this way. For we are God's masterpiece. Another passage will say, or another translation says workmanship. I like them both. You're God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. God's working on something. Amen? Listen, you may not be broken. You just might not be quite yet finished. <laughs> you know what I mean? He's working on it. He's working on it. You ever walked in and saw a painting halfway done? It, it's not that great. It looks like dot to dot when I was a kid. I'm drawing, drawing a sailboat or something. But you see the finished work and it's like, Mind blown. Listen to this. Psalm 139, back to where we started. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. Boy, how's that a statement for pro-life? You knit me together in my mother's womb. Think about that. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place. When I was woven together in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. You know what this is? This is God assigning value to every human being. And the atrocities that have happened through the centuries to human beings upon human beings. The things that have happened in the past that we speak of in shameful ways, now we have new aberrations of that happening right now. Human trafficking, sex trafficking, happening right here under our nose in Fredericksburg, Texas. And we are going to begin to step into that world and say, God, what would you have us do? Because every one of those kids, amen. Every one of those kids, every one of these people are human beings for whom Christ died. And they are valuable in God's eyes. And they need to be valuable in ours. And we need to not, we need to stand for all life. Amen? And not just bury our heads in the sand and think it's somebody else's issue. It's ours. It's ours. They are our neighbors. We're supposed to love our neighbors. Amen? Be responsible for our neighbors. And so we're going to step into that world. Jeffrey's going to, and Suzanne are going to lead out. And they're already getting trained and have been already stepping into this arena in this world. And they're going to help introduce us into a whole new sphere 
of ministry opportunity to see lives changed and transformed for the kingdom of God, for God's glory. Amen? Yeah, we're going to step in. This is this. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made, woven together. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me written in your book. How precious to me are your thoughts, O oh God. What, thoughts towards what? Towards him, the writer. Saying, how precious are your thoughts toward me? What is that? It's value. It's worth. Worthy. That's what this is. And we'll end with the definition because this is where we started. Having worth or value. Say this out loud. Say, I am worthy. Some of you, when you just said that, you cringe. You felt it's hard. We've got to lean in and align ourselves with God's words. Get it on our mouth and begin to speak it. Faith comes by what? And hearing by the message of Christ, the word of God, the gospel. It's all the same. And we need to get this on our mouth and declare it and let our faith rise up. And over time, we'll become bigger on the inside than we are on the outside. That's what faith does. Amen? Having worth or value, having sufficient worth or importance, and we'll end with the synonyms. You are deserving. You are good. You are honorable. You are praiseworthy. You are valuable. You are worthwhile. You are commendable. You are precious. Love that one. You are exemplary. We have to shake off some religious underpinnings that undermine the value of who we are because of a fear of humanism. Listen, humanism in and of itself is not a bad thing. It's the aberrations that happen apart from it and where it lands. But at the end of the day, you are valuable. God loves you, and he loves every broken person outside these walls. And whose responsibility is it to go after them? Yeah. Yeah. We are the police. We are. It's our responsibility. Let's stand together and we'll pray. Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you for your word. Your words are life to us. They are life to us. As the prophet said, I, I found your words and I did eat them. In a sense, we're trying to digest your word. And Father, I pray for every one of my friends hearing this either right here or listening online or watching online, Lord, that they would begin to think like God thinks, say what God says, believe what God says about themselves. And as we get whole and as we get secure and as we become confident, Christ-confident, not self-confident, Christ-confident, then the life that's in us will begin to leak out of us everywhere we go. We will become life leakers where we live, where we work, and where we play. And Father, we pray for the harvest. Your word says to pray, but we don't just pray for the harvest. We pray for laborers for the harvest. And I see an army right here in front of me. I see an army on Sunday mornings in front of me. And so I pray for the laborers for the harvest. The harvest is already here. We're asking for laborers, Father. Show us our place in the harvest. Show us our role. Show us our assignment, Lord. As we grow in our Christ confidence, Lord, we'll step out. We'll do exactly what you called us to do because when we know who we are, we'll know what to do. I love you, Lord. Thank you for your word. In Jesus' name, everyone said amen, amen and amen. The bookmarks, by the way, are on the way out. If you look there at the Connection Center, there should be a stack. If not, I've got another stack 
in my office and I'll get, get them for you. 